Hello friends. Today is April 28th, 2020. And today we start the book of Ezekiel. We're going to go through chapters 1 through 4. Ezekiel was an Old Testament prophet around the time of 593 BC to 571 BC. His name means God strengthens. He was a priest. And his message is, is addressed to the demoralized remnant of Judah, exiled in Babylon. Uh, the moral responsibility of the individual is the primary theme in his message. I'm taking this out of the New King James Version, Spirit-Filled Life Bible. <clears throat> so let's get started. Ezekiel's vision of God. Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chibar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Then I looked and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself. And brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. Interjection. When uh, I was teaching the kids, we would have Bible studies when they were young at the kitchen table, usually on Wednesdays. There was one day that I gave them each a piece of paper. We read this all together and I told them to draw a picture of, of what was being described. <clears throat> it was it was very humorous. It's hard to understand what these creatures look like. Um, some say they're seraphim. Uh, some say they're cherubim. I think, did it, does it say in here? If it does, I missed that. Um, but it's very similar to the beings that are in the book of Revelations with the four faces. Um, that those are different just in a little bit of a way. And I wonder if that isn't because it's Old Testament 
portraying something this is obviously symbolic of something versus New Testament end times portrayal. Okay, verse 13. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coal, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Interjection. New Testament says the coming of the Son of Man will be like lightning going from as far east to far west. Around the throne, there's thunders and lightnings. So Ezekiel is most likely at the throne witnessing what's going on. And this is setting him up to be a prophet of symbolism to the end times. Verse 15. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they moved, they went toward any one of the four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome, and their rims were full of eyes, all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the, living, wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went, because there the spirit went, and the wheels were lifted together with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. When those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. And under the firmament, their wings spread out straight, one toward another. Each one had two which covered one side, and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult, like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. So interjection at this point, verses 22 to 24, very, very interesting. Um, those that are of the belief that the earth is flat, the flat earthers, <clears throat> go according to the creation narrative in Genesis, where God created the earth. Now get globe out of your mind when you, when you think about this. He didn't say, I created a ball. He said, I created the earth, which is dirt. Okay, whatever shape that is, he created earth, dirt. Out of the dirt, he created man. So there's dirt. Then he created a firmament above the dirt whether that is a invisible shield around a ball or whether that is a dome. We don't know. We haven't been up in space and come back. Maybe in a dream, but do dreams have our preconceived ideas in them? You know what I'm saying? 
So <clears throat> the firmament in 22.1 means an ex expanse. So it's just a, a thing above the earth. I had a vision in 2009. Um, I was, my sister was a manager of a hotel and I was visiting her and she was busy. So it was nighttime. I went outside. It was a beautiful summer night. I went outside and I was sitting on a bench outside the hotel in the dark, just looking up at the sky. And all of a sudden the sky took on like a veil network web kind of look to it, but it was like, like lace. Intricately, in, intric, intricately woven lace that was all, you know, encompassed together in this expanse. And I thought, wow, that's the firmament. Look at that. Look at how cool that is. And then it just faded away. So, but then he also talks about the waters that are up in the firmament. And that's where these living creatures are. Um, some sort of angel, to be sure, because they have wings. Um, in the book of Enoch, Enoch talks about the stars actually being angels. And I encourage you to check out all of these things. Um, of course, I can't cover all of these as I'm going through a, a, a daily Bible reading, but but just keep your mind open. Um, the book of Enoch was written way back when, when Genesis was, you know, in that time. He's a great-grandfather of Noah or grandfather or something. And his writings were not included in the canonized scripture that was chosen by men. But is that scripture? I mean, possibly. Very possibly it is. So, um, the book of Enoch, very, very enlightening. Check it out. Okay, let's go on. Verse 26. And above the firmament over their heads was like the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw, as it were, the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Interjection. Um, okay, last, last part of the, that verse in chapter 1. So when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. Okay, so... This mirrors in Revelations perfectly. Um, there's the voice of many waters up in the heavens. Okay, In the Genesis creation account, waters separate the heaven from the earth. All right. Um, in Revelations, there's a rainbow around the throne. So Ezekiel is looking at the throne room. But he's also being introduced to end-time revelations because of the similarities. All right, let's go on. <clears throat> Chapter 2. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me, and he said to me, 
Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I am them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they hear, whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, and whether they hear, whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. End of chapter 2. Okay, the lamentations and mourning and woe. <clears throat> Still sounds like Book of Revelations. All right. Let's go on. Chapter 3. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go, speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly, and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel, and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language. But to the house of Israel, not to many people of unfamiliar speech and hard language, whose words you cannot understand, surely had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you, because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces, and your foreheads strong against their foreheads. Like adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Interjection. How many of you have heard the Lord speak these words like they're being spoken directly to you? Go and speak to people and tell them what I want you to tell them, what I want them to hear from me. And don't be afraid of them. Make your forehead like flint, like stone. In other words, don't like wrinkle up your forehead skin and you know and you lift your eyebrows like this is scary he doesn't want you to be scared <clears throat> verse 10 moreover he said to me son of man receive into your heart all my words that i speak to you and hear with your ears and go get to the captives to the children of your people and speak to them and tell them thus says the lord god whether they hear or whether they refuse then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels beside them, and a great thunderous noise. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And I came to the captives of at Tel Aviv, who dwell by the river Chubar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. That word astonished in King James is astonied, and it's kind of like being dumbfounded. 
<clears throat> verse 16. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way. To save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Interjection. Okay, and then the Lord repeats this, because this is important. Listen, he's saying, verse 20, again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning. Also you will have delivered your soul. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall, I shall talk with you. So I arose and went out into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there like the glory which I saw by the river Chibar, and I fell on my face. Interjection. When we're in the presence of God, if it's the presence of the throne room, we will fall on our face. If it's the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God, that will lead us into worship. The presence of God is not for us just to enjoy the feel-good feeling. It's to bring us to a place. Verse 24. Then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spoke with me and said to me, Go shut yourself inside your house. And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them, so that you cannot go out among them. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth, so that you shall be mute and not be one to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, he who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are rebellious house. Chapter 4 You also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you, and portray on it a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege against it, build a siege wall against it, and heap up a mound against it. Set camps against it also, and place battering rams against it all around. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate, and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. Lie also on your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have laid on you a day for each year. Interjection. He must have had bed sores. He had to lay on his left side 
390 days and on his right side for 40. <clears throat> hmm. I wonder if that was just when he slept. I don't know. Prophets are not called to do easy things. Verse 7. Therefore you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem. Your arm shall be uncovered and you shall prophesy against it. And surely I will restrain you so that you cannot turn from one side to another till you have ended the days of your siege. Interjection, okay. He had to stay on that side. Okay, verse 9. Also take for yourself wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt. Put them into one vessel and make bread of them for yourself. During the number of days that you lie on your side, 390 days, you shall eat it. And your food, which you eat, shall be by weight, 20 shekels a day. From time to time you shall eat it. You shall also drink water by measure, one-sixth of a hen. From time to time you shall drink it. And you shall eat it as barley cakes and bake it using fuel of human waste in their sight. Interjection. <clears throat> okay. Bread and water was all he was given. And he had to cook it with human waste. This is not a fun calling. No, not at all. Verse 13. Then the Lord said, So shall the children of Israel eat their defiled bread among the Gentiles, where I will drive them. So I said, Ah, Lord God, indeed I have never defiled myself from my youth till now. I have never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts, nor have abominable flesh ever come into my mouth. Then he said to me, See, I am giving you cow dung instead of human waste, and you should prepare your bread over it. Interjection. That was merciful. You. Okay, verse 16. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, surely I will cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and shall drink water by measure and with dread, that they may lack bread and water and be dismayed with one another and waste away because of their iniquity. The end. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> so Israel, or, uh, Ezekiel is called to do hard things. We as followers of Jesus are called to do hard things. As of this recording, I am sitting in a small cabin that was just built. Um, it doesn't have a lot of luxuries. I have running water from a garden hose from a tank on a hill that's gravity flow. Um, I have two garden hoses. One is black to shower with and one is white for when it gets to be 100 degrees because I'm in Arizona or 110. I can change out the garden hose so the water doesn't get so scalding. My shower yesterday was scalding. I, I waited to the wrong time of day to shower. So what I do is I take this hose into the RV. Uh, the front half of the RV, <clears throat> thank God there's two, two outside doors to it. Um, the front half was taken over by mice. 
I still have to clean that out, but they completely destroyed the plumbing, wiring, everything. It's just storage. It's, it's cleaned out, but it's not clean, clean. So that's blocked off. Then there's a, a inner doorway that goes to the back bedroom and the bathroom. The mice did not destroy that. There's a little bit of evidence here and there, but I cleaned it all up and it's bleached. It's good. So I blocked that off completely and <clears throat> the hose from the tank reaches into the bathroom, the shower. And um, yesterday I had the shower hose nozzle draped over the existing shower nozzle that's unusable that's in there because the plumbing is shot. And it's so rotted. It's been sitting out here like 13 years that it just broke off completely. So, <clears throat> so now I, you know, you just shower one-handed. It's not a big deal. And you can adjust the temperature of your shower with the sun and the weather. So this is not a big deal. That hose also reaches to the back door of the cabin. And so during the middle of the day, I have scalding hot water to wash dishes. In the cabin, I have solar. It's just a basic solar setup. Um, there is air conditioning. It can only run during daylight hours. Um, I shut it off early enough so I have juice for the fan at night. There is no heat. Um, this time of year, I don't need it. It's going to be a, it's been a very warm April and it's going to be a very hot summer. So we'll see how that's going. Um, I have a refrigerator. I have an electric fry, you know, skillet, a microwave, a pot that heats water for tea. I don't consume any caffeine. I keep the sugars to a very low minimum. I use honey. Um, these are things that the Lord has told me to do. I have a toaster. I have a little toaster oven. I haven't used that yet. <clears throat> so you, know, you just make sure and, and use all your electrical devices early enough in the day. I have breakfast and an early supper. I'm kind of high up um, on the side of a mountain. So I have sunlight till late in the day. Um, evening, early evening. So this is my situation. I have come out here. I came out here on Passover. The Lord really impressed on me to come out here on Passover and spend 40 days, not to go into town, not to indulge in any luxuries, eating out, anything like that. My daughter came out after the first week, <clears throat> brought me a muffin a little one that was the extent of my luxury and then I shared some canned goods I had with the kids for lunch the grandkids then for the second week uh, the Lord allowed me to go to the nearest truck stop but he said don't eat of anything there they have like a Dunkin Donuts and a takeout restaurant since we're under lockdown everything is takeout um, 
he allowed me to buy some groceries. Um, I was on the prepper milk, not the powdered stuff, but the stuff that's in like a, you don't have to refrigerate the carton. I had started on one of those, but I, I felt that I need to save those. So he allowed me to, to buy a gallon of milk um, and some fruit and um, some crackers for my soup and some chips. And uh, I don't remember what else. I think that was it. And so I brought that back. Very expensive. Oh, and I met a local farmer for eggs. So that was allowed now after the second week. Well, that was yesterday. So actually that was closer to going into the third week. Now this coming weekend. Oh, I should mention also. A few days ago, my oldest son came out with my daughter-in-law and their two grandkids, my two granddaughters, and he helped me do caulking around this cabin. It's just, it's a shell. It's, I'm trying to get it insulated. Um, I have insulation board, but, and he, the place was overrun with moths. I mean, like a plague, completely overrun. I couldn't sleep. I was killing five moths that I could find a night and then just pulling my pillow up around my ears so I could fall asleep and not hear the fluttering. It was a nightmare. And I was praying, Lord God, I just want a peaceful night's sleep. As I was last week, as I was walking around the perimeter, I was looking up and there was big gaps all the way around where the roof met the sides in the peaks and the soffits. And so I called my son and I said, bring a whole bunch of exterior caulking and please help me just seal this place up. The first night my daughter had, my one, my daughter had a beautiful revelation from the Lord. She said, plug in a light on the other end of the cabin so the moths go over there. The only thing I had was a wax uh, sent, you know, the, the wax melter things with a tray on top. I plugged it in in the far corner from away from my bed. In the morning, the whole wax was full of moths. And the, the things around it had moths stuck to it. I set as many free as I could. The Lord, I felt the Lord saying, don't, don't get, keep killing my creation. They're not killing you. And I'm sorry I'm going over for time, but last night, not one moth. Oh, thank God. Praise God. I killed one fly. Um, the night before, I had one big flying ant, mosquito hawk looking thing. It was gnarly, but I let that go free. This morning when I went looked in the wax, no moths in the wax. There was two by the door. I, I, I let them go out. One flew up into the rafters, so there's one in here, but Praise be to God. Praise be to God. So that's my living situation. I'm up here until May 18th. That's the 40 days. Pentecost, of course, is May 31st. I'm gearing up for something, and I will reveal more of that in the podcasts to come. The Lord has showed me something that I'm going to be doing once the 40 days are up. It's exciting. So we're all getting our assignments, Army. Shalom.